I'm Casey Finey, host of Creative Control. I'm Kathleen Davis, host of The New Way We Work. I'm Yasmin Gagne, host of Most Innovative Companies. And I'm Josh Christensen, executive producer of Fast Company Podcasts and co-host of Most Innovative Companies. And you are listening to Fast Company's 2023 in Review, a special end-of-year episode with each of our podcast hosts. Today, we're going to talk about some of the biggest stories of the year from Fast Company, highlights from each of our podcasts, and some New Year's resolutions. But first, I want to start by asking, how is your 2023, everyone? Kate, let's start with you. I feel like every year you ask this, and every year I probably give the same answer, which is, as best as to be expected. Like, mm. really? I mean, I can't complain. It's You could. You're just choosing I mean, not I could. to. And we no, thank you for it. that. Actually, I always say I always can complain, but I will choose not to. You're right. Fair enough. Yes. What about you? High highs and low lows. I got married, which was sick. Hey. Um, <laughs> hey. Oh, so sick. I was going to say my love that. to someone. I know what you meant, but it's Gnarly, kind of like dude. when it comes to marriage, it's like, did it make you sick? Yeah. Well, I got married, which was sick. And then <laughs> I like Good actually. Sick, I assume. <laughs> yeah. And then things sort of went like swiftly downhill for me because then I like actually got sick. <laughs> wow. So that's been my 2023. <laughs> Josh, how was your year? Pretty, pretty great, actually. You know, <laughs> overall. Better overall, than yours. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Now, I mean, you know, everyone has ups and downs in their years. Everything's stressful, but I'm trying to practice, and we'll get to this more in our New Year's resolutions, more gratitude and more positivity because I'm Ooh. a very lucky person overall. <laughs> and everything was great. We launched a new podcast that Yas and I host six months ago. So Never heard of it. Thing. Your, in there, most your year. <laughs> it's true, actually. Making the podcast has been really fun. So, Work-wise, this year has been great. Your year can't be that good because your in-laws moved in the same apartment building as you. Yeah, I'm that's true. That, that's oh, another thing. I but did honestly, not realize that. Oh, God. That, listen, there is a whole saga with, with my in-laws in there. You know, when I, I'm entering the sandwich generation. I'm entering, I'm entering my caretaker era, as the kids would say. <laughs> uh, Are the kids saying is, that? No, 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 they're not because uh, their parents are still healthy. No, my my in-laws are, you know, where we moved them out of their apartment on the Upper West Side into my apartment building in Upper Manhattan. So they're closer to us and, you know, they're they're getting on in age and, you know, they need some care. And so actually it's my in-laws are close to me, which is nerve wracking, but also they're closer to me. So there's some peace of mind for my wife and I. And that's that's a good thing. Again, practicing gratitude. But for some lack of gratitude. Casey, how was your year? <laughs> wow. What Wait, is that supposed I'm to be? I'm just assuming. Assume. Yeah, that's what, rude. And what does that rude. mean about me? Listen, right? actually, my year was actually pretty good. Thank you so very much. Um, God, <laughs> no, I, it's been it's been an interesting year because I, I, I can't remember if, uh, and that's a theme for this year and all years, is just not remembering what you did last <laughs> year. But um, I believe on one of these year-end uh, podcasts, I made... 
a comment about uh, this 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 epiphany that I had like a maybe like two birthdays ago where I told myself I want to be more assertive in going after the thing and going after things that I want because throughout my career a lot of amazing things have just happened to me and I work very hard but it kind of feels like luck has been on my side in many ways. You're saying your success is down to hard work and a little bit of luck. Hey, well, kind of, <laughs> but then it's like I feel I I me just, just like I being lost so... all this weight from hard work and dedication and not an no, injection once a week. No, here's the thing, because like for in my head, I'm thinking that yeah, I know I work hard, but then I'm very self-deprecating, shocking, <laughs> uh, and I I usually think like oh it's just luck, oh it's just that, and so for me, I, I thought like what would happen if I actually instead of waiting for things to happen. And to me, I go after something that I want. And I did that with my new role as executive uh, director of editorial programming. Like when our editor-in-chief, Brendan, made the position available, I went from thinking, I know I can do this, so I want to do this. And so I kind of got out of my way and threw my hat in the ring because he didn't approach me for the job. I went to him with it. And then... Here I am in this position, which... Voila. So yeah. you are like a case study in everything we talk about on the new way we work and in work life, like one, oh, it's just down to luck. That's how I got everything I got. Classic imposter syndrome, like classic, no. like downplaying <laughs> of your intelligence and confidence and skills. Like you, and do then not you decided hear, to you, lean in. You do not, but you do not hear <sighs> mediocre white men being like, I only got here because of luck. Like, no, they got oh there, you know. God. Oh yeah. no, I fully acknowledge I only got to where I am. I was because just gonna of luck. say Josh was like, oh yeah, this year's been lovely. <laughs> let's, ask, <laughs> let's ask the mediocre white man on the podcast. But then the other thing that's like classic that we cover is the like you don't get what you don't ask for. Like I and I did that for so long too of like I'll just wait for them to ask me I'll just wait and it's like you know and then when you got that position I will tell you that everybody at Fast Company was like oh my god he's perfect for it like everybody was thinking it but like it wasn't going to happen until you like helped make it happen yeah. I appreciate that. And just, I mean, this it just reminds me of that meme of Big Bird sitting at a table of executives. And it's like, this is my imposter <laughs> syndrome. And I feel like that's how I feel. <laughs> it's like, that's how I felt my whole career. But yeah, mm-hmm. so, so 2023 was good. I feel like this was, this kind of was um, kind of a, like a, like a, a jumpstart to me continuing to go after the things that I want. But for our podcast, I mean, it's been a fantastic year. Uh, So, Kate, what are some of your favorite moments from 2023 on The New Way We Work? I mean, honestly, when I first started putting my favorite moments together, it was so long that Josh, like, cut it in half. But... There, so there was a lot. But uh, yes, yeah, so we started the year off talking to Jessica Gross, who I love as uh, a New York Times opinion writer. She had this great book called Screaming on the Inside, which is a great title, The Unsustainability of American Motherhood. And we talked a lot about that. But we also talked about this concept that like she gave a name to that I was like, yes, called the hour between babe and hag, which is like, Whoa. right? Uh, it's what? like the, what is that now? the hour oh, we'll, between, we'll get into it. Yes. The hour between babe and hag is like the brief window of a woman's career where she is taken seriously at work. Wow. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to be a babe forever. <laughs> yeah. You're, 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 in your full babe, you're in your full babe phase and I'm like entering what I like to call the power crone phase, but <laughs> <laughs> and we, we do really have a, we do have a clip yeah, from yeah. Jessica Gross. I'm going to play right now. So we're screwed. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so we're too I'm, late. Yep. I'm, I'm 41. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, Ooh, I'm in the like 15, 90 seconds before like the doomsday clock. I'm like 90 seconds before age discrimination. Yeah. 
Right. I mean, they might as well just push me out on the ice floe already. It's too late for me um, at 40. I want to come back to Power Crone. because I did not. I have to say, I wish I came up with that. I definitely read it somewhere. I really wish I, I coined that, but I did not. <laughs> As funny as that is, please love yourself more. You're more than <laughs> I power think power crone is loving yourself. Like it's I think the it crone is like... that I'm hung up on. <laughs> but crone's no, but a great word. It I is, love that. but that I mean, it's, it, I think crone's a nicer word than hag. But I mean, it really does. It, what she was getting at, and she wrote a really thoughtful piece about it, is that yeah, women are, when they're too young, they're not taken seriously at work. We actually did a follow-up episode later in the season where we talked to two women on either kind of side of that. When you're too old and you're not taken seriously, or, you know, you, you're viewed as too old, you're too young, you're not taken seriously. And there's this like really brief window in your 30s, usually where you're, you can do all of your career things. But P.S. hope that doesn't collide with like starting a family. Okay. And what else what else did you get into this year? <laughs> Power crone extraordinaire. Yes. Well, so we we talked a lot about the future of hiring this year on the show. And we had a great episode in the fall with LaFawn Davis, who has been on the show before. She's from Indeed. Uh, she talked about the repeal of affirmative action and kind of the opportunity that it opens up for the future of DEI, both the challenges and the opportunities that it op- opens up. I actually don't have any doubt that companies will be next. Public companies first, then private companies. In order to stop this ever-changing space and world where people just want it to be more equitable, the laws that we have in place around equality are so far off. Equality is like the end state. We are all equal as humans, but our societal norms dictate that we're not. And I feel like that is what the political landscape is going after now with the anti-wokeness. Anything that looks like it's providing opportunities to those who haven't had it, there's going to be an attack. And so I think companies have to like, no, we're standing strong because we're actually committed to having a more equitable workforce and an equitable society. LaFawn is one of my favorite guests that we've had her on, what, three, four times on The New Way We Work at this point. And she always comes on with like such a great mix of like very practical. This is where we are. This is what's happening. This is why it sucks. This is what we can do. But then like great optimism for the future and the work that she's not just saying she thinks will happen is actively working towards making that happen in her capacity as a leader. Totally. And that's something that's like whenever I talk to people in the DEI space, I always feel so discouraged and they're always so optimistic. And then they end up giving me hope that it's like, actually, we can move in the right direction. And she was talking there about a lot of legislation and threats that have happened since the repeal of affirmative action. Um, And then like how companies can fight back. And she also talked really interestingly about like different tactics, you know, since she works at Indeed, different tactics that employers are using to open up their talent pool, getting rid of that BS pipeline excuse. One that that I really liked that she talked about and we've covered a couple of times on the show is removing degree requirements, which was another, our colleague Christopher Zara came on the show to talk about his book, Uneducated, about not having a college degree in a professional world. She mentioned that a lot as like a, as another way to kind of open up the talent pool in the wake of affirmative action being repealed. But yeah, she's a great, a great guest. 
Well, something that's probably less hopeful is maybe the biggest story of the year, which is AI. And you had a number of conversations this past year, as we all have, uh, in regards to that, particularly how it's going to affect work life. Yeah, that's like the biggest story for Fast Company this year, I feel like. And we covered it on a lot of different angles on The New Way We Work. We had two episodes in March, one just kind of like how AI will change our jobs. Um, I had a great one with uh, Dr. Tomas Chamaro Premizic, who's been on the show also a few times. He's really fantastic. And he talked about what kind of the human's place in the AI future of work is and kind of what skills AI can't replicate in knowledge work. Humans will always crave human affection, human understanding. And even though, again, ChatGPT has given impressive signs of faking empathy, because if you upset it or you say your answer was rubbish, it said, oh, I'm sorry that you didn't like it, but it doesn't really feel sorry in the way a human can. So what's going to be with us for a while is deficits around emotional connectedness and emotional intelligence. So Ironically, even though we're going to be in a very geeky age where data and machines are going to play an even more important part of our lives and jobs, that actually means that the value that humans will add and our USP or differentiating angle will be to develop and cultivate our emotional intelligence, our social skills and our ability to feel what others feel and connect with them on a humane degree. So yeah, I mean, that sounds like a you've had a, a very productive year at the new way we work. Uh, but I'd love ah. to switch gear. I know, thank you. You got it. If you know, you know. I told you you're not <laughs> mediocre, Josh. Slightly above it. But I yeah. want to switch gears a little bit and talk about our newest podcast, the Most Innovative Companies podcast that Josh, you and Yaz uh, started this past year in May. So what were some of your favorite moments from this brand new podcast is this bouncing bundle of joy of a podcast we met Issa Rae you talked about how a black person could never pitch something like Seinfeld like a show about nothing (laughs) and I'm curious whether you think the environment or expectation for black creators has changed or not really I think it's regressed really a thousand percent post-strike they're gonna do less shows and in that way where we could appeal to niche audiences before like I don't I don't think that'll be the case so I stand by that statement now because everything (laughs) has to be super high concept that's gonna be made I mean, I don't know if I, as a as a writer creator, will yeah. be able to to make stuff that's a bit more grounded and low concept. But time will tell. Like, I'm still gonna write things that speak to me. She came on the show to pitch her Prosecco brand, and it got a lot deeper. Uh, it is say. delicious Prosecco. Hashtag not sponsored, but I, it is it's good, really good. Yeah, but I love the fact that Easton and I have the same laugh. I, that was not even planned at all. <laughs> 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 I love the like a black person could never pitch a show about nothing. <laughs> like, ooh, yeah, very yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she said that in a previous interview. Was that with you, Casey? Maybe. I haven't talked to her in a very long time. That's why I was so jealous when you were like, oh, yeah, I'm talking to Issa today. I was just like, oh, my God. Because obviously, you know, love her as a creative, but she is so insightful about everything that she does. And I feel like Mm -hmm. just she's created a really interesting blueprint of making sure that she is taking on projects and starting endeavors that really mean something, not only to her, but to the community Mm -hmm. at large. Like She's very aware of the weight that her work carries. So yeah, it was a really good interview. So 
Snaps to you. Snaps to you, yes. Love that. Love that. She's also just super cool. I know. She's got so much riz. I know. Yeah. The offic- it's word a of word the of the year. year. God, I need, I need the dictionary folks to stay off TikTok. But what else? Which is efficiently calling. I'm sorry. Well, this is a digression. Saying being the Oxford word of the year, like, is the epitome of not having riz. You know what I mean? Like, that's not riz. Wow. We've got Boomer Energy with Josh and a Power Crone with Kate. Yes. What else did you talk Boomer, about? Boomer, I am 33 years old. You can still I said have Boomer energy. energy. You can Absolutely. still have Boomer energy. Uh, Boomer Kennergy. I'm sorry. It's 2023. <laughs> this is the word white men are using yes, now. Yes, please pivot. Please pivot away from this. Please tell us more <laughs> about the MIC podcast. I need to. Yeah, I know. I need. I feel like I need to define my brand more. That's what I've learned. Mm. Um, but a great <laughs> moment. Um actually from this year was our interview with Jens Greed. He's the CEO of Skims. And we also loved interviewing his wife separately, who's the CEO of Good American and chief product officer of Skims. I actually, this is no lie. I had a dream last night that I was crashing at their pool house in front of their kids. (laughs) That's pretty cool. (laughs) Mega weird, but uh, truly two of my favorite people to talk to. We did. I have, a, we have another clip here uh, of the interview with Jens with kind of one of my favorite moments or favorite quotes from the year. In my view, Kim Kardashian is the Michael Jordan of the influencer generation. Going back a couple of decades, about 20% of American teens wanted to be a professional athlete. Today, 20% of American teenagers wants to be a creator. It's pretty obvious that she has been a huge part in shaping that culture over the past decade and a half. I don't think he's wrong. Not wrong, but as someone who uh, covers the creator economy, <laughs> hair flip, I would say <laughs> that I, it's not wrong. She, I think Kim Kardashian... From a celebrity influencer standpoint of sort of bridging that gap between, because for the longest time, celebrities and still, I mean, not anymore, really, but celebrities were looking down upon like ha- like being present online and totally. doing all these, and these mm-hmm. types of things. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she definitely was that bridge, but she came into it with star power. So for me, it's like I, you know, I, I would like add that little caveat. Like, kind, where, like kind of, but I do think... Social media has been so integral to almost building that star power as well that, like, mm-hmm. it's, like, almost a chicken and egg situation, mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. No, truly. And, yeah, I just think about all, you know, the creators that I that I have interviewed that have never had, like, a platform as big as she had even going into it. Just being a Kardashian, being part of this legendary family. And, yeah, there's mm-hmm. plenty of influencers that have a name or, like, the, the, the child of, like, a billionaire or something like that. But... I do think that's a really interesting area to explore. And I, th- I he's not wrong. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, I would I would give that to her. The Michael Jordan of influencers. Yeah. You know, because she's been it for well, so long. Well, he was comparing launching Skims to Michael Jordan launching Air Jordan. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that brand is so iconic. And even though Michael Jordan is not playing basketball professionally anymore, that association lives on. Other people can be the face of Air Jordan. Like the brand stands on its own. And that's kind of what he was talking about with Skims, where it's like, she quit the influencing game. It's also an interesting like company as well. Just, you know, this is kind of adjacent to this is that Skims has built a really successful brand doing something that is incredibly hard to do, which is displacing a household name in Spanx that is synonymous with shapewear in the way that Kleenex is synonymous with tissue. Skims is kind of surpassed Spanx. Like, People use skims as a, yeah. a, a synonymous. I'm wearing skims. 
Yeah, or is at least getting to that angle where it's at least moved Spanx off of from like catch-all to product name again. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's difficult to do in branding, and that's to the star power and influencer game of Kim Kardashian, really. Does anyone know what Skims originally was called? No, that's a no. fun. That's a fun trivia. No, guys, this clearly none of you listen to most innovative companies, which sucks. <laughs> um, because we actually brought that up in the interview. Mm. It was originally called Kimono. Jens talked about how and why that was problematic, and also went into how the brand sort of overcame that. Yeah. No, I thought I remember because I wrote a piece uh, for Fast Company on that, and I was just like, oh lord, because people already have uh, Kim. It was bad. Kim is a very divisive figure, and then to have the time, it was like, is this brand dead in the water? Yeah, exactly. And look at them now. I mean, this is a, a topic for another time, but I think the concept of shapewear is problematic. But mm. Well, you know what? It is and it isn't. And I feel the same way about Kim Kardashian, where it's like she promotes super unrealistic body standards on one hand. On the other hand, Skims has like one of the most extensive size ranges out there. And caters to people with like a lot of different skin colors. I think it's like a the modern day corset, basically. And it it feels, you know. Do you think so? Because I kind of feel like I look at shapewear. I kind like, of disagree with yeah, that, actually. I wonder if shapewear is more so just about getting sort of just like kind of smoothing things out and not necessarily like tucking things in. Because like they make shapewear for men to where if like, you know, you want you want to just sort of it's never going to like snatch you in all the I've way. I've worn shapewear. Yeah. 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 It's like I do, too. Sometimes you just want a little like smooth. I will stand alone on this, but I'm not a not a fan. Yeah. I mean, maybe Fair you enough. just maybe it's not about sucking yourself in. Maybe it's about where not having like VPL. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Because they sell so many different products, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I get it. There's two sides of every conversation about like fashion or how things are is that there is like the pressure that like this is how people should look or we're trying to achieve different standards. But the other side of that is providing products that make people feel good in their skin and in their bodies and in their clothes, which is another thing entirely, which comes back to how are you marketing it? How are you talking about this? And that and that's an open question, certainly. And is, has Skims always towed that line correctly? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But it is an open conversation. But it does, to go back to this uh, idea of influencers and sports athletes and the evolution of the creator economy, you, Casey, had some really interesting moments this past year. And, and one that, that I know you have, because it's in our script here, is about a company that has been in the news in the past few days, but you did a really interesting interview <laughs> in the past week. You had to bring this up, Josh. Oh, I had to bring it oh, up. God. I had to bring it up. But what, Casey, I'll let you take it away. This this is your moment to well, shine. Well, no, first of all, I love the <laughs> fact that I never thought in 2023 we'd have a Skims debate. And I love it. <laughs> Shapewear debate. But, yeah, I mean, this kind of ties into a little bit of what uh, Kate was talking about. Just in terms of, like, AI, and it's been top of mind for, you know, everybody in every industry. And the creator economy is certainly part of that because, you know, last June I spoke with Cameo co-founder and CEO Stephen Galanis, and he was was talking about how the platform is incorporating AI, which they do with the Cameo Kids because they have, uh, you know, licensing agreements with like Sesame Street to where you can order a Cameo uh, from like Cookie Monster or someone and it's, it's AI generated. And I actually ordered one for a friend of mine who's obsessed with Cookie Monster. So uh, she'll be I getting that. I thought you were about to reveal that you ordered one for me and from Cookie Monster because you know... 
Listen, I know. And I was I, like, I, and like I and know. now I will reveal it on the show. And I'm like, I, could you imagine? Can you? <laughs> I yeah. <should've. laughs> what, what does it Who's cost? Like twenty five dollars, right? Who's, exactly that. Who's I say? nearly ordered a cameo. Recently I heard of that. A someone. <laughs> the less said about that, the better. I mean, it's not as if I. I've, who knows? One could one could be on the way. But uh, he was was also talking about getting into uh, using AI for celebrities, possibly. I believe people like Drake are themselves going to be IP. And I would not be surprised if you start to see people like that, that talent, that caliber of talent, licensing themselves out, right, to a trusted AI provider. And, you know, there will be chatbots that are people like Drake or AI version of Cameo where Drake can wish you happy birthday on demand, but he doesn't have to go do any work. So again, this is where... I think it's going to be really interesting to see how those lines get drawn. And so much of the AI stuff that we've seen have been companies like not getting permission to use. Like we all saw it, those Drake AI music videos, like they didn't have Drake's permission and then they get taken down. Right. But, you know, some company, they will get the talent to sign on and they will go build these tools. And not every talent's going to do it, but some are going to say yes, right? right. And that's going to be really interesting to see how that evolves. So will that company be Cameo? <laughs> like the same technology that we use for Cameo Kids is exactly the we're not out there pumping our chest to talk about AI that we're doing, but it's the same exact technology that we're using for Cameo Kids to bring the animated characters to life in a scalable way. Like that could be used for people that would love to offer like another skew, maybe a cheaper skew that gets 100% fulfillment and could be just as dependable as getting a GIF on the internet. It's worth noting a couple things here. One, everyone's pivoting to AI. Also, I I don't really think getting an AI clip is the same or like as cool. Um, But two, didn't Cameo have a shit ton of layoffs? They did. Is this a Hail Mary for them? In a How many way, I need yeah. to look up? Like, oh, they're rolling in it now. They've got that George Santos money oh, coming in. Jesus. Oh <laughs> I'm going to stop magic, I swear to God. <laughs> Don't do that. Cameo now has fewer than 50 employees, a major shift from the nearly 400 they had when the business was booming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they need to figure out their strategy. And obviously, pivoting to AI is probably also a way of attracting investors. But I think I agree because I kind of feel like, what would you want an AI generated? clip from drake knowing good and well that you can make it yourself honestly you can get drake to. it's what you said yes it's like the opposite of what cameo is supposed to be it was kind of contradictory because that's what they said in that whole interview is that like saving glass was talking about like cameo is all about authenticity authenticity well what's less authentic than a fake than an ai generated (laughs) i know person yeah it's interesting because i know that um you know i'm i'm fascinated by this space of you know particularly particularly when we're talking about celebrities that are deceased you know because i think like you mentioned drake but then also i think you know in the in that interview you know he brought up what would it be like to get a cameo from like elvis or something like that and We've seen a lot of these celebrities' estates of these big names who have passed. It's a recent article, actually, that Bert Helm wrote about the fact that Kiss is stopping touring but is being replaced by AI holograms. By their holograms, yeah. And the the Beatles releasing a song Uh of, like, yeah. 
And that's that's what I find interesting because like there was a boom in uh, the hologram concerts, and I did a piece about bass hologram. They're the ones behind the Roy Orbison one, Maria Callas, Whitney Houston, and then now we're seeing uh, like AI kind of step in in this as well because like Warner Music just announced uh, in November that like there's going to be an Edith Piaf like animated biopic Mm -hmm. of her which is going to be using her voice so we're definitely in this era of how these particularly these celebrities estates like how are you going to bring them back to life and that opens up a whole (laughs) different conversation but i think yes to get back to your point i fully agree that you know first a platform like cameo the whole basis of it was these personalized messages from these big names you lose that if it's AI generated. So it's fascinating. It's definitely something. And we talked about Cameo being in the news lately, which that's another thing they need to figure <laughs> out of how not to be a machine for propaganda, which they've been in that position before anyway. So um, mm-hmm, ugh, mm-hmm. anyway, but uh, kind of on another, you know, another side, another corner of uh, the creator economy. I also this past year did a fantastic interview with uh, Samara Joy, who is is a two-time Grammy Award-winning artist. And when I interviewed her, I think it was like maybe two weeks before the Grammys, a couple weeks before the Grammys. And of course, she was being super humble, super, I'm not going to win. But when I first saw her on TikTok, where she actually got her big break on Facebook of all places, but I first noticed her on TikTok and I was like, oh my God, like that. I People always try to get your attention, be like, stop scrolling and watch this video. She didn't have to do anything but like, crack open that that mouth of hers and that voice coming out so yeah it's i i love what part of what i like why i love doing what i do is like when you know you get to talk to people that you are genuinely a fan of sometimes and i just want to play a quick clip of this conversation january is like maybe we should record a new record i've already been like integrating some new songs into my set, like into the show. Um, Some from the first record, but some not just to try stuff out. And so March of 2022, we recorded the second album in like two days. And in two days, in two days, in two days, (laughs) (laughs) I think I did like seven of the songs in one day and like another five in the next day. Okay. See what we're not about to do is a whole like, Oh my God, I don't know. I know if I'm talented or not, whatever. We're not about to do that because you recorded, let's, all right, all right, hold up. <laughs> you recorded Linger while in two days. Yeah. All right, continue. I just, wa- I just, wa- I just wanted to pause for a second. I just wanted to just pause and linger a while on that fact that you recorded this album in two days. <laughs> yeah, continue with your story. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it was March of 2022. I was like, okay, this is going to be the same kind of rollout as. I mean, I don't know. I was, I did touring and stuff in the midst of the pandemic, so the idea of like what it is now, it just didn't really occur to me. I was like, okay, so we're kind of, you know, going to be under some form of lockdown still, you know, there'll be COVID restrictions when it comes to traveling and stuff, you know, but with the vaccine, I guess it's gotten better. But yeah, I was just like, you know, we're recording an album. We want to present it to major labels this time around because on the first go round, they said, no, you know, it's like, we don't want to take the risk of a new artist when we don't have anything really, you know, everything is up in the air, you know, as far as like festivals, as far as shows and like live performances, we're still doing live stream gigs and stuff. So that's why I'm grateful to Whirlwind for like taking that chance on me, you know. Of course. Just a delightful 
human being and an amazing talent. I love myself for that joke. Linger a while. I'm so sorry. I forgot that was in there. I laughed. I laughed it's all pretty over good. Over again. But no, I mean, I, I just, I adore her as a musician and just, you know, someone who is obviously at the top of her game and there's really nowhere to go but up for her. So I love that. And, you know, in addition to talking about the creator economy, another facet of it was we did a mini series on fandom where we were looking at sort of like the ups and the downsides, the very sometimes dark downsides of fandom. And, my fantastic producer, uh, Avery, was the one who spearheaded this because she is our resident expert in fandom. And yeah, I kind of want to play this clip of her uh, talking about her own leap into this into this world. Before I, we play this clip, I just do, do want to shout out, and this is a great time at the end of the year, to shout out all of our producers on this show, the team that makes this happen, Avery Miles, who did this um, program, uh, and then also involved in this fandom series with Julia Shu and Blake Odom from our team as well, who do an amazing job, and Nicholas Torres, who does all of our mixing and sound design. So this was very much, you know, our producers drove that this series and did a wonderful job. It's got great reporting, great hosting, and then some kind of silly moments like this one. My first journey into fandom was through Titanic when I was 10 years old. That tracks. <laughs> I can actually see that. I mean, you and every other like girl that age, I mean, and some boys, but like I remember when that movie came out mm-hmm. and it was like, I don't ever recall that kind of collective lust, (laughs) pre-adolescent lust that people had. I was kind of obsessed with the ship itself. That tracks even further. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, Avery, Uh, God love her, fully thought she was about to like launch into her love affair of, of Leo, but no, she loved the ship, so, you know. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, It was a great series. Avery went on to tell stories about how she used to like draw the ship over and over and over. It's a whole thing. You should go back and listen to it. And you should go back and listen to all of these episodes from all of our podcasts. There's great stuff. You can find it on the New Way We Work feed, Creative Control, and the most innovative companies feeds on Apple Podcasts. Where you're listening to this right now, if you're not already a subscriber to the other shows, listen to it. They're all great. They're all wonderful. But it's time to get a little silly. A little more silly I was gonna than say, we already um, have. <laughs> like, where have you been We've, in this conversation? <laughs> I th- I, you might be oversell because the game that we're about to play is not, my game is not very silly. I'm a very serious person here. Oh, we'll make <laughs> it. <laughs> Why are you trying to ruin I'm the I'm trying to bring it down, folks. Power crone for era. Some, for some homework. Let's go. You're going to be tested. All right, sorry. We're Josh. gonna yes, Kate's got it. Kate's got our first game. We're gonna have a few of these games for the end of the year, and the first one is uh, starting with a, a guess what f guess the FC headline uh, game. So Kate, I'll let you take it away. You're the deputy editor of FastCompany.com, so you know the headlines more than us. So you'll be leading this game as uh, you had a little bit of an unfair yeah, advantage because I, I picked the headlines. I kind of know the right yeah, exactly answer. that too. I feel like I should have gamed and be like, see, look, I'm just that good. Um, <laughs> But I, I have ha- a lot of confidence that you will get all of these right. What do we get if we win? Uh, bragging rights. Can we expense a cameo from like Cookie Monster congratulating the winner of this game? Sure. It's not going to be Cookie Monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. I'm glad we're on the same Elmo? <laughs> Who do you want? Uh, the uh, original actor behind Big Bird, George Santos. 
Kate, go on. Go on, please. See, yeah, I just, let, you just took all the air out of the room with that one, Josh. I knew it was coming, and I was going to not let them talk, and then you encouraged them. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please continue. Okay. Now we're getting serious. Okay, so I am going to give you four headlines. Three of them are not from Fast Company, and one of them is from Fast Company. You have to say which one is the Fast Company headline. The first is sports news. You know, we cover sports so frequently at Fast Company. This should be easy. The first headline is Kate Middleton has awkward Wimbledon ball girl moment with Roger Federer. You know. Ferrero Rocher. Yep. (laughs) Roger Ferrero Rocher. That's a drag name. Uh, The second headline is in the land of football, a cricket oasis rises outside of Houston. The next headline is a backyard accident led this dad to design a new bat that is changing Major League Baseball. And the last headline is shattered nerves, sleepless nights, pickleball noise is driving everyone nuts. Which is the Fast Company headline? I'm between option C and D, the bat or the pickleball noise, because both of those feel very fast. No, I think it's the bat. I'm sorry. I don't think we're like cool enough. Uh, What was the one before the bat again? In a land of football, a cricket oasis arises outside Houston. We've all crossed off Kate Middleton. I guess we, I mean, we cover the Royals sometimes on this company. It's either the cricket or the baseball bat one. I'm going with the pickleball one. I'm going Okay, Josh says pickleball. Casey says... I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the 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 cricket. I think it's a bat. Okay, well, Yaz is right. We wrote oh, God. in September. We wrote about uh, Paul Mueller. Wrote a long read for us about uh, changing innovations in design of a Major League Baseball bat. I don't, I don't Our read. next category is another area that we do not cover that frequently uh, on Fast Company. This is porn industry news. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here we go. This is, this is my beat. Go this on. Is, now, I'm not even moment. being creepy. I, the porn industry is fascinating. This is my beat. <laughs> Sounds wrong. Yep. It's your time to shine here, Casey. Go okay. on. You're like, well, then maybe for you, I should make you say which publication each of these articles appeared in since you it's know It's probably going to be all vice, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> the first headline is Inside the Last Porn Theater in Los Angeles. The second. Oh, I just read that. <laughs> but it wasn't at fast. Oh, well, way to give it away. So we're going to cross All off right. A. Sorry. All right. It's Yaz's beat too, apparently. Okay. Uh, the second headline is the future of porn is in your living room. Sounds like it maybe knows Casey too well on that one. The third is a simple law is doing the impossible. It's making the online porn industry retreat. And the last is my 70-year-old mother's... <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. <clears throat> My 70-year-old mother spends too much on porn. What should I say? It's D. I'm going D. Even if it's not, we should have written that article. Mm. That sounds very on brand for us, doesn't it? <laughs> I think I think we've eliminated Yaz eliminated the first one. I'm eliminating the last one. I'm going to go with the future. For we love a future title. That's true. Yeah. yeah. That that okay. feels I'm I'm going to go with that one seriously as well though. What do you say, Yaz? I think it's like the the before last one you read. A simple law is doing the impossible. It's making yeah. the online porn industries treat. It sounds very newsy, very straightforward. However, Casey and Josh were correct. It's the future of porn mm. is in your living room. All tied up. All tied up. <laughs> I don't want to be super rude here to whoever edited that, but the present of porn has been in people's <laughs> living rooms forever. Yeah. We're all tied up with, with one more. Is there one more to go? This is for... 
all of the nothing. The stakes couldn't be lower. All the marbles. This is all for the no, cameo. I've got, I've got some marbles. <laughs> this is. I want a cameo after when I win this. Go on. All right. Psychology is the category. And here are the headlines. The weird reason we're afraid of clowns. I'm 53 years old, but I'm 36 in my head. Should an abnormal MRI excuse a psychopath from murder? Or five <laughs> ways to read someone's mind. Five ways to read someone's mind. Five ways. Yeah. yeah. Come I on. think it's going to be gotta five be. ways. What if it wasn't, though? Yes, it was. it's five ways to read someone's mind. We all, we all win. win. We all get cameos. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Josh, we'll, we'll go 50-50 on <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I would love that. Yeah, we could do we could do that. I don't understand the fear of clowns. I love clowns. Nope. I hate clowns. Yeah, I love the quote mean. from Jennifer Lawrence and her uh Vanity Fair uh lie detector test. And she was just like, yes, Are you afraid of clowns? She's like, No. The guy's like, Yeah, you're telling the truth. She's like, Yeah, I'm just afraid of how much fun I'm not gonna have. I personally don't like how clowns, because they're deemed scary, have been co-opted for Halloween, like creepy clown decorations. Like Halloween has a Enough. We have skeletons. We have witches. We have pump. You don't need to bring clowns into it. That's the hill I'll die on. Clowns should not be clowns and shapewear. Yeah, <laughs> that's things. right. Clowns These and are... shapewear. Yep. A clown in shapewear. Yep. <laughs> clowns did it to themselves. Like John Wayne Gacy was a clown. Yeah. You know, you like at, it's like when you're pointing the finger uh, one way, three fingers are pointing back at your creepy painted face. There's like a history of creepy clowns existing. We didn't invent this. Is such it a millennial thing. But uh, does anyone remember the clown episode of Keenan and Kel uh, back in the day? No, no, no one remembers that. Anyway, so look, look at it. It's a, it's a thing. No. It's a thing. Uh, I don't like clowns. I'm not a fan of clowns. But separate and apart from clowns, that was not a Fast Company headline. But all the ones that were, you can go and read on fastcompany.com. And also because we got to promo our stuff. Subscribe to Fast Company Premium. Read some great stories out there. Yas just had a premium story come out. But let's jump to one more game before we get to our New Year's resolutions. And this one I'm going to run. And this one, you're not competing against each other. You're going to team up to put these news stories in order. We have so much news that happens year over year that it's hard to keep it straight in your mind, especially on when it happens. So that's the point of this game. I'm going to give you three news stories, and you're going to have to tell me which one came first, second, and third chronologically in 2023. Everyone understand the rules? How are we teaming up? We have to agree with each other? You have to agree it's with each other. It's been a problem thus far, but okay. <laughs> well, this is what 2024 is all about. Teamwork makes the dream work. All right, work. let's do it. So <laughs> prompt number one, here are your three news events. The Silicon Valley bank failure... The Chinese balloon incident, that was when the Chinese surveillance balloon was started being tracked over the Western United States. And Trump is indicted over hush money payments to adult film actress Stormy Daniels. Did that happen this year? Oh, my God. Yeah, all of these happened this year, which came first, second, and third. Here's the thing I just want to point out is that we're all very honest because we're sitting in front of computers and we could have Googled any of this. But No, we're all very fun. <laughs> Definitely the bank failure because that happened in March because that happened. That, like, I was going to say that Southwest. happened in early spring, but the balloon wasn't the balloon early. The balloon, I feel like was I'm going to say actually in the order that Josh presented it. Well, that's the thing. The indictment when the indictment was first brought about, 
when the indictment was actually filed. So when the indictment actually happened. The, tr- the Trump things are the hardest to keep track of because it's like, when did the news come out? When did the, he uh-huh. get indicted? When did the trial? When yeah. did the, you know, I think maybe it's balloon bank Trump, but I don't know. Yeah, you know what? I think I agree with that. Final answer, balloon bank Trump? No. Yeah. I think it's bank Trump balloon. What if they all happened on the same day? Oh, who knows? I'm going to stick to my guns okay. and right. say... Okay. Casey does not want to do this together. But no, 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 listen. Uh, w- listen, w- let's go with this answer with what you all said. And then if, I, if I'm if i right, then I'm right. In hindsight. So the correct <laughs> really order... really got over that imposter syndrome. <laughs> the correct order of news events was... Chinese balloon incident on February 2nd, Silicon Valley bank failure on March 10th, and Trump indictment on March 30th. So, Casey, good work. you were wrong, but good work, team. I'm going to give Kate credit here, because honestly, I would have gone along with literally anything <laughs> she came up with. Honestly, I can eat crow. Do you remember that episode of Wendy Williams where she ate crow? No. Because she kept talking. No. No. Oh, I miss that. Literally show. ate no. crow? She ate crow. Because she was talking about um, the fact that Kim and Kanye's marriage wouldn't last. And she's like, if it lasts like past a certain amount of days, I'll eat crow oh, no. on the show. And she kept updating. It was such a great bit because she kept updating. Be like, day 13, they're still together and I will eat crow. And then she had a chef prepare crow and she ate it on the show. Icon legend. I miss Wendy Williams so much. I hope she's doing okay. Uh, Yeah. So anyway, I would, if you have crow to prepare, I will eat it. So you're right, Kate. Snaps (laughs) to you. Snaps to you. Let's go to number two. Okay. These are the three news events in question number two. So Montana bans TikTok on all personal devices. Bed Bath & Beyond files for bankruptcy. And Fox settles a lawsuit with Dominion Voting Systems for $787.5 million in defamation suit. What order did these events happen in? I do believe the Fox thing was first. Wait, what's with the, the Fox one was like, the, the say it again? Fox is they the settled. settlement happened. That feels so recent to Kinda me. recent. Yeah, that's how I feel too. I'm going to guess... The other two were Bed Bath and Beyond bankruptcy and Montana. That happened like in May ish. I feel. Um, I think they may be in order. You think? Unless Bed Bath and Beyond came first, but the bankruptcy was in the summer. I do believe. Um. Yeah. So I think it's in order. The bankruptcy was in the summer, and we're saying the TikTok ban was in the spring. I'm gonna say yeah, Bed Bath and Beyond. And then the, the settlement, you Montana think, was last? Montana and settlement, yeah. I feel like that, the settlement was first, yeah. but okay, uh, I don't know. I was I right mean, before, right. but who knows? Can let me strike twice. Exactly. So we're going to go with uh, Montana ban, Bed Bath & Beyond bankruptcy, and Dominion Fox settlement. That's your final answer? Sure. Yeah. All right. A part of me feels like... The go on. Sure, sure. Okay, that's your final answer. Ooh, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. The events happened in this order. On April 14th, Montana banned TikTok. On April 18th, Fox settled its lawsuit with Dominion. And on April 23rd, Bed Bath & Beyond filed So it was like all bankruptcy. in one week. All really close together. What yep, is- that, was, that was a nine-day You missed span. on April 22nd, I had my birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Kate. Thank you. See? There you go. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so one one for two right now. Let's move on to our final prompt for this, uh, prompt number three. So the events are Meta launches threads, 
the uh, ex-competitor. SAG-AFTRA goes on strike. They officially start their strike. That's the date that we're looking for. And Donald Trump is indicted for attempts to overturn the 2020 election and the January 6th attacks by uh, special counsel Jack Smith. So I remember that Threads launched on a day that I was on vacation because I came back and like looked at Slack and like everybody was talking about Threads and I was like, oh, I better sign up for this. And then like by the next day, no one was on Threads anymore. Threads launched so in the summer. around the time of our first podcast because we had Max on. Yeah, it wasn't to too talk far. About it. So it was like a little more than six months ago. It was Threads, Trump. Didn't the SAG strike start in the spring? Like in April-ish? I'm gonna... Nah. I feel like it was over the summer. I feel like SAG came after threads. I just don't know where to put Trump. Well, first you need to answer which lawsuit was it because there's been four indictments. Yeah, overturned the election. You know what? The strike, I think, came before threads because they, when they were auditioning me to run the podcast, we talked about it. <laughs> I think okay. the strike came before threads, too. I think it was strike threads and then who knows about Trump. Sure. But then it was like the writer's strike might happen. I just don't remember when it actually... I say maybe Trump... Writer strike threads. I can co-sign that. Sure. Final answer, Trump writer strike threads. Mm-hmm. The correct order was on July 5th, Meta launched threads. July 14th, sag After goes on strike. And on August 1st, Donald Trump was indicted for attempts to overturn the 2020 election and the January 6th attack. See, I knew I was on vacation. It was like the 4th of July. I was on vacation when threads... Happened. There we go. And that's the point of the game is that these hard these are a lot of things that happened all in a very short period yeah. of time. There were some there was a lot of other It's so fun to be a journalist. Isn't it? These are some of the stories that I didn't mention just to run through the things that that we couldn't get to. So we had Fox News firing Tucker Carlson. WAGA goes on strike. Chipmaker uh, Nvidia is valued at over a trillion dollars being the first chipmaker to make that stand. We had two other Trump indictments that we didn't mention, not to mention his civil lawsuit that happened recently. We had Barbenheimer we didn't mention. We had the uh, UWA strike against the big three automakers. We had the strikes ending. We had Kevin McCarthy being ousted as speaker. We had the whole slew of people who failed to be elected as speaker. We had Mike Johnson being elected as speaker. We had the time when we learned that Mike Johnson had a Noah's Ark-themed amusement park. (laughs) We work filed for bankruptcy. SAG ended its strike. And Sam Altman was fired, then rehired, and then whatever's happening now. So here's to a past year of a lot of news stories, a lot of... Some fun, some tragic, some uh, in the middle, and we'll be covering all the stuff to come in 2024 on all of our respective podcasts. Okay, well, pulling us out of this uh, rapid state of entropy with all those headlines. The, the, um, the dark hole that Josh has pushed us into with this allegedly fun game. Let's bring this show to a close. Please. <laughs> yeah, we're, it's the end of the year, y'all. Please. We all need a vacation, clearly. Listen, I mean, every year, these end-of-the-year podcasts get more unhinged, and that's why I love it. But I <laughs> would love to end this, this particular episode the same way that we end it every year by sharing our New Year's resolution. Solutions. So, uh, God, I guess I'll go first. Um, yeah, do it. My honestly, my my news resolution. I'm going to keep it the same as one I had in 2023, which is to do like a creative project every single day. I remember that's what I mentioned on the show last year, and it's something that I 
was pretty successful at. Like, I think the thinking is to just be less precious with creativity and just get more stuff out there and not even anything that I want to turn into anything. It's just having the fulfillment of doing creative projects and just having an outlet outside of work. So yeah, I think I want, I want to keep, I want to keep that train going and, and uh, just try to do one creative thing every single day. I love that resolution. I remember that you had that resolution and I thought, when we were talking about the show, I remembered that and I was like, Oh, I wonder how Casey did on that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did pretty well. I was- did you like, if you like got to, you know, like 1130, were you like, I'm going to brush my teeth in a crazy way. No. <laughs> <laughs> Performance art. No, it was even like, if I was like, if it was dead tired, I was just like write a really stupid, shitty poem or even just open that um, uh, Apple's version of Canva, like it's a free form or whatever it's called. And then just like, just do some, just something, just kind of let my, my, my creativity just like vomit on the page. And so, yeah. And to be honest, even doing something, a small exercise like that, I loved it. I felt like it just, it, it just helps me shake loose and not be so scared to put pen to paper or brush to canvas or whatever the case might be. So this year had, had me doing a lot of things like I'm working with clay UV resin I'm doing a lot of things that like I haven't really worked with before and it's just for the fun of it it's just for the fun of creativity so I love that that's and there's a lot of like research behind the the Mm -hmm. brain building you know reason to do that it makes me think of my grandmother who was a beautiful painter but just did it as a hobby and she told me that she used to uh wait for my grandfather to come home from work and would just like paint a little watercolor and then just throw it away and i was like why did you throw them away but it was just like oh i'll just do something creative right oh i love that yeah well kate what's your resolution well inspired by you casey i was like what should i do i have two kids and they do a lot of things and you know, they're trying gymnastics and piano and like all of these things. And so I want to try something new. And so for 2024, I'm going to try something new and I'm going to stick with it for the whole year and see what happens. Wait, what's the new thing though? I don't know. I'm going to take a ballet class. I might. So my son's taking piano and I'm like, Ooh, maybe I want to take that piano. That'd be cool. I think it's going to be so much harder. You know, there's like, it's harder to learn as an adult than as a child, but yeah, so I'm thinking piano, ballet. We'll see. I love the creativity theme. No, yeah. the creativity themes are great because I think that's just so. Yeah, it's just motivating too, and it's it's good for your mind. Well, since you piped up, Josh, what are your resolutions? My New Year's resolution is a little more simple, and it's more about it's a little bit more about gratitude, and it's a little bit more about like not focusing on more positive things, and it's very simple. And actually, I'm stealing this from Bowen Yang, who talked about this on the Lost Culturistas podcast which is, it's not a Fast Company podcast, but if you want to listen to it, it's a good listen. But my New Year's resolution is to not say I'm tired anymore in conversation with other people. And I think it's for some reasons. One, it's not additive. It's not interesting in a conversation. And two, like, yes, you get tired, you do things, but I get to do a lot of cool things like these podcasts, like working for a media company, like playing with my dogs and caring for my dogs and, and, and helping my wife with her theater company that she runs. A lot of things that I really enjoy doing. And yeah, they make me tired, but I'm lucky to do them. So I'm going to be more grateful for the things that make me tired and not bore anyone around me by saying, oh, I'm so tired in conversation anymore. Saying you're so tired in conversations is also like a version of like one upmanship with hustle culture. Like, oh, yeah, I also am very tired. Like, so we shouldn't uh, humble brag about not having good work life balance. 
as someone who frequently yeah. says he's tired, I'm doing it not because I want to prove that I'm hustling, but I just believe in giving an honest response. <laughs> if somebody asks how I'm doing, that's true. That's fair. Are. Yeah, that could be a really great New Year's resolution. Is because how many times is like, and we've written articles about this of like, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I I'm hate good. That. I you know, it's like what, what is the that. purpose of saying these words if we just say the same thing? And how refreshing would it be though if someone is like, actually, I'm not having a great day, and here's why. And then you have I like do that all the time. I think context matters here. You know, when you're like at a coffee shop and you're like, oh, how are you doing to the server? If they were like, I'm having a bad day and let me tell you why it would be like. I used to do that when I was a barista. You know, it's like social. (laughs) But to me, it's like, to me, it's like that, that kind of conversation is like social lubricant. Whereas if you're talking with somebody you know super well. But then like, don't ask a question you don't really want an answer to. I literally did that when I was a barista and that actually let, it would usually, it would always lead to them being like, oh my God, they would laugh a little bit about yeah. it and be like, oh my God, yeah, I'm having a kind of like a rough day too or whatever. It kind of broke down that wall and we could honestly have like, yeah, I can see yeah. that. I think another thing around this is there's better ways to talk about how you are. I do think context matters. I do think like, you know, there's a lot of time, like it's a default where we ask them like, how are you? And I mean, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't you don't actually cases, want to know. Really you don't actually want and to nor, so. nor does the person need to tell me. But if like my wife asks me how I'm doing, there's going to be different ways. But like I should find different ways to talk about it that's more productive. I'd be like, I'm stressed about this thing. This thing's weighing on me and actually yeah. build it as an opportunity to like solve an issue rather than just complaining about the effect of these issues on me. And it, it, it's ultimately for me, since this is my resolution. <laughs> no, it we're just telling just... you what your resolution should be. <laughs> It, it just it ultimately just comes back to appreciating what I have the opportunity mm-hmm. to do and and being more specific about the the pitfalls and the problems that I need to address. I love that. Well, yes, bring us home. What's your resolution for 2024? Yeah, I would say I have two. Um, the first is I've been working on a project for a long time and to finally get it done <laughs> and like show it to someone. <laughs> Uh, what realm is the project you know, in? I can't say. I think Ooh. no, because I think embargo. When you talk a lot about a project that you have and you haven't actually worked on it, you feel like you're productive. Yep. Oh, you haven't actually done anything. Agree, a hundred percent. Another school of thought is like you're holding yourself accountable. Like if you say to everybody, "I'm going to write a novel," and then people are like, "How is your novel going?" and you haven't actually done it, then it like will give you the push to like actually do it. Yeah, totally. It's just not my school of thought. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay, so this mystery project, I love it. Yaz goes to a private school of thought. Uh, yeah. I wasn't accepted, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> What's your second? So right now, once a week, I go to Barry's Boot Camp, which is a difficult workout class because I love having abs and um <laughs> what's that i'm like? getting an operation <laughs> <laughs> must be nice um, must be nice and uh I, so i'm having an operation in late december and it's going to be like a pretty long recovery so my goal is by september of next year i will be in a berries boot camp class like that's like my physical goal wow. you know <laughs> like, that's great get back to it oh my that's God. great yeah It's true. I mean, I think that's a really good goal to set. I mean, I went through a a pretty serious surgery and on like my core section Mm -hmm. a a few years ago. And it really was tough to not feel physically yourself for a long time. But like setting a goal 
Like I set a goal for myself that I would do a 20 mile hike by, you know, a certain time. And that that really pushed me through. So that's a good resolution to have. So that's it. Not as creative. No, but but still. I I mean, the mystery project might be. Who knows? Exactly. (laughs) Right. I love that. Oh, guys, I think this is like probably one of our our best end of year episodes. Next year, my resolution is going to be like, be okay with giving up. (laughs) And that's you. I support you laugh, but that's actually a really good one. Yeah. 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 Say no more. Yeah. mm -hmm. We've we've written articles about like why you should make a list of anti-resolutions, like things you don't want to do anymore. Right. Ah, well, this has been, I think, one of our best end of year episodes that we've done. That's going to do it for us. We, of course, will be back in the new year with more great podcast episodes for you. But before we go, we asked some of our colleagues at Fast Company to record their resolutions, as well as some from their families. So we're going to leave you with those. And as always, thanks for listening this past year. And thanks to everyone here at Fast Company who makes each of these shows possible. Happy holidays, everyone, and have a happy new year. resolution is to get through my candle collection without buying more candles. New year, new me. To learn a new language. To ideally every month do a project that I'm objectively bad at, but do it anyway. Be more active of my creative ambitions and creative projects. My last year's New Year's resolution was to go to the dentist. My 2024 New Year's resolution is to go to the dentist because I didn't go last year. The bravery. The bravery of admitting. (laughs) New Year, new me. To say no more. Sometimes the best thing you can do for your job and your coworkers is to say, no, I can't do that and not disappoint people and protect your peace. To get back into running. To actually do my expense reports on time so that I don't have a big pile of receipts that keeps growing that's sitting on my desk, which is how I'm ending 2023. In 2023, I deactivated my last social media account. In 2024, my resolution is to stay off of social media. My New Year's resolution is inspired by uh, Shonda Rhimes, who said yes to everything for a year and I changed her. I'm going to consume only media that I hate and see how it changes me as a person. And my New Year's resolution is to murder a podcast producer. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. To try and be outside within the first 30 minutes of waking up and actually see it in the sunshine. That's a terrific resolution. Thank you. New Year, new me to stop texting my ex situationship when I'm sad because 2024 is a year of growth. To finally finish my book, I keep saying this is going to be the year, but this time I want it to be true. To, like, finally nail fermenting water kefir and heal my gut. This is a great... Please do applause. New Year, new me.